For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is the Adam Gold Show. It's the Adam Gold Show. I am Adam Gold. V to the Victoria producing this program. History made last night. Carolina Hurricanes couldn't complete. No, I'm sorry. What had nothing to do with the Hurricanes getting beat by the Buffalo Sabres 4-2 in an exhibition game in Buffalo to end the preseason 4-1-0. Aaron Judge hits number 62. And it... A moment for the history books. That's what baseball is all about. No sport, no sport values its numbers and comparing era to era like baseball. You can't do it in other games. It, and honestly, in other sports, they don't really care. In the National Football League, they do not care about the overall numbers. Like most people, this is what I do. I'm not 100% sure I know who the all-time rush single-season single season rushing leader is. I, I mean, I'm, when I was a kid, it was OJ. Then I think Walter Payton got... No, I don't even know. Like most yards ever in a single season. I would argue that it's probably should probably still be recognized as OJ Simpson because it was a 14-game season when he went for 2,003 yards. I think maybe it's Eric Dickerson. I don't know. But that was a 16-game season. And now we're playing 17-game seasons. That's a lot. 17 is a lot bigger than 14. But baseball, whereas the overall lengths of seasons have changed from 154 when Babe Ruth played to 162, and the first year of that was the year Maris hit 61 home runs, 1961, the numbers all matter. And there are what we think to be certain benchmark numbers that really matter. 500 career home runs. Uh, 50 home runs in a season. It just matters so much more in baseball. And I don't know the reason why other than the people who love the game revere the records. And that's why performance-enhancing drugs in baseball also matter so much more. In the National Football League, if, I should say when, someone tests positive for a performance-enhancing drug, they miss four games. And then they come back as though nothing happened. Mostly because we all just assume, well, you have to be on something to play that. So... The fans don't really care. Nobody loses their reputation in football for testing positive for a performance-enhancing agent. No one does. But in baseball? Oh, boy. I remember when Rafael Palmero of the Orioles sat in front of Congress and pointed his fingers at the committee 
uh, said, I have never done steroids. I've never, and it couldn't have been more than a month and a half later. Rafael Palmero has been sp- suspended for 10 days for testing positive for steroids. That was the suspension initially, 10 or 15. It was nothing. Now we see what happened to Fernando Tatis Jr. for the Padres. Half a year and you're ineligible for any playoff games. If you can come back in that season, you are ineligible to play in the postseason because you tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Baseball has gone so far and away opposite of where they were, which was, well, we have no policy, to where they are now, all because of the numbers. That's really what it is. It's because of the numbers. Because we decided in 1998, after the fact, that that was bad. That we decided that was bad. Baseball fans decided that that was an affront. And we talked to Doug Glanville the other day, yesterday. We talked to Doug Glanville. And former big leaguer, now with ESPN, he's going to do the uh, Guardians Rays series for ESPN. And he he has a hard time recognizing Maguire, Sosa, Bonds, and their exploits. Because he played in that era and he played clean. But that was just that era. But the whole reason that we have these debates, why we asked the question last week, if Judge gets 62, who's the real home run king? And half of the people recognized Judge, and half of the people went, uh, Bonds hit 73. What are we doing? And I'm in that group. I'm in the second group. The numbers matter in baseball. The numbers do not matter really in any other sport. So Aaron Judge hits number 62. Let me uh, let me just float a couple of other things before we get back and listen to more of what happened during Judge's night, which was in Texas. So the fan who caught the ball was immediately put in essentially witness protection and whisked off to a secure location and was quoted as saying that he doesn't know what he is going to do with the ball. So I've wrestled with this topic for a while. And honestly, it's really hard to be honest about this because we don't know. So my research on what that ball is worth says about $5 million. That ball is worth $5 million. So you, me, Victoria, if we happen to come in possession of that ball, Aaron Judge hits that home run, and I'm eating a a, a plate of nachos, and it falls right into my guacamole, boom! Yes. Right? My ball. Really isn't my ball, but I am now in possession of the ball. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like to think, because I know who the ball belongs to. The ball belongs to Aaron Judge. And really, the ball belongs to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I'd like to think that I would put personal need aside and give the ball back to Judge, who would either keep it or give it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And actually, I think it belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Not to go Nicolas Cage in... Uh, national treasure on you here, but certain things belong in museums. 
And to me, that's where that ball belongs, in a museum. But it is a $5 million piece of property that was in my possession, and I'm not naive to think. I've joked about this in terms of uh, live golf, right? That this is not an issue that you are deeply entrenched in, Victoria, so no. I understand. But <laughs> the the whole live golf dilemma for a lot of people is about where the money is coming from. I have never, ever, 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 ever made it a point of my position on live golf to where the money comes from because of two things. One, there's bad money everywhere. And two, if the Saudis ever got really interested in sports radio, I got my hand up. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So I'd like to think that I know that I would give the ball back, but I can't guarantee that I would. Yeah. But I will say this. If the $5 million didn't matter to me, if I didn't, I'm not saying need $5 million, right? But if that money did wasn't going to change my life, in other words, I was already fairly set financially, I would definitely give the ball back. I would I would run to Aaron Judge with the ball and say, dude, this is yours. Yeah, same. So it it matters what your financial station is. How 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 your morals would automatically allow you to react. I am not going to lie about it. So the my current state, which like I'm fine, but 5 million changes a lot of things. <laughs> so I can't guarantee that I would hand that ball back. I might doing I might do so hoping to receive items of value yes. that could kind of ease the pain of knowing that I just handed away $5 million in a cashier's check. So and I'm not going to get into the person who caught the ball. You can read enough about this gentleman who caught the ball. Maybe we'll tell you, talk more about him specifically later. He doesn't appear to be in uh, in any need financially. So then it becomes about personality to me. And if you don't need the money, we know who the ball belongs to. Yes. And so, whatever. Uh, so that's... Uh, that's all I'll say on that for uh, for right now. Real quick, a uh, couple of other uh, football things. We have a new quarterback in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It is going to be Kenny Pickett. The Mitch Trubisky era did not go well, but I think we'd be foolish to blame Mitch Trubisky for that. Kenny Pickett didn't exactly come in and light the world on fire against the Jets. They lost to the Jets. And I'm not saying it's Kenny Pickett's fault because it's not. None of this is either of the quarterback's fault. It's the fault of the Steelers just not being good enough at this point. Offensive line is bad. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they they also have some injuries to deal with. The other thing I think is more interesting, and this will get us into a conversation we've already had, and that is Joe Burrow said on a podcast that concussions are an inherent part of the game of football. This is exactly what I said last week about Tua. We talked about this on Friday, I believe. Yeah. Actually, you were out. You yeah. were you were at a baby shower, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Dennis was here on Friday after Tua got just completely body slammed to the turf in Cincinnati and left on a stretcher. 
head injuries are impossible to prevent in football. Impossible. I, 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 I understand the goal to minimize the risk. I understand it. We can't eliminate it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try to lessen it. They're trying to lessen it. But the real issue for me has always been this. And when I said it, and I said it Friday, and I got pushback on it. It's a league problem, it's a team problem, and it's a player problem. We can't pretend that the players all go, yeah, you know, I probably just suffered a concussion. I should sit this out. No, they're never going to do that. And we have to stop being naive to think that Tua, who clearly suffered a concussion in the first half against Buffalo, went to the locker room, passed protocol, using air quotes here on TV, if you're watching on TV, these are the air quotes, and then played the second half. Part of that is on Tua. But I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying everybody bears responsibility for this problem. And we always want to point to the league, which deserves criticism, or the teams, which deserve criticism, and shout out to the Dolphins, or whoever fired the doctor who cleared Tua for finding a scapegoat when all you had to have was two functioning eyes or one to realize that that guy shouldn't play. But nope, you put him on the field. So yeah, Mike McDaniel, it's on you too. But what Burrow said on this podcast is what every player who plays in the NFL understands. They all know it going in. The the data for the longevity of not not when players are active. I'm just I'm talking about their lives. Longevity for players who play football is not good. Quality of life. This is, of course, not completely across the board. There are always exceptions, and I'm not even saying it's the majority, but there's a higher concentration of debilitation mental and physical so you know that after playing football then there are other sports because of the brutality of it and we understand they understand that forget we don't have to understand it they understand it they accept it going in and that's unfortunately it gets a lot of players anyway Let's get back to uh, to Aaron Judge. You heard the play-by-play call of John Sterling on Yankees Radio Network, and my little pet peeve of John Sterling always seems to make it about John Sterling, but it is what it is. Here's Judge on what he remembers when he thinks about the year. The fans, you know, the fans at home, the fans on the road. You know, the constant support, you know, seeing Yankee Stadium on their feet for every single at-bat. You know, they're booing pitchers for throwing balls, you know, which I've never never seen before. And, you know, I think I got a base hit the other night and I was getting booed for a single. You know, it's just, you know, little moments like that you look back on, you know, would have been great to do it at Yankee Stadium in front of our home fans. But I know a lot of, you know, Yankee fans, they travel, they travel well. And there's a lot of Yankee fans here tonight and, you know, getting a chance to share that experience with the fans and, yeah, you know, that, that's that's what it's about for me. As a matter of fact, if you play the play-by-play clip again, 
Victoria, you can actually hear the ovation for Aaron Judge in Texas. Play this. All right, that was uh, Michael Kay on the Yes Radio Network. That's Yankees TV. Yes, television network, Yankees TV. Um, That was not a home game, people. The Yankees were in gray. The Rangers were in white. It sounds the opposite, though. It does. It's like two things. One, Judge is right. Yankees fans are everywhere. There are Yankee fans in every city. Uh, Right here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we are based, uh, we probably have the most Braves fans, and we're going to talk Braves, by the way, at the bottom of the hour um, because the Braves clinched the division last night. So we'll talk about the Braves. We'll talk a little bit about Aaron Judge as well. But um, w- more Braves fans here than any other team. The Yankees were, would be second. Yes. And honestly, I'll bet they're not second by a lot either. I'll bet it's pretty close between Braves and Yankees for fandom. Now, we live in a pretty transient era area here in Raleigh, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Orioles fans because the Orioles were another team. If you grew up in this state, that you know, you were either a Braves fan or probably an Orioles fan, so a lot of Orioles fans here. But, look, there are Mets fans and Cubs fans and Tigers fans. Red Sox. Red Sox fans. We get, Well, Red Sox are kind of like Yankees light. Yes. Because it's more of an, it's like a really a national thing, more local, but but, but it's it's got a national flair to it. Uh, but, yeah, there are Yankee fans everywhere. 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 So, uh, congratulations to Judge. Uh, and now, I want, I want you to hear what Ian Fitzsimmons said on ESPN Radio last night about Aaron Judge, because I think this is an, important to hear and challenge. Here's Ian Fitzsimmons. Aaron Judge does not strike me as a, he, he he strikes me as the same person that off the camera he's a great guy you know and I think you would hear if he wasn't you know somebody a, a, a former teammate there'd be whispers was going to say hey look man this dude don't believe don't believe everything you see from this guy. no you don't hear any of that he's a genuine person and at, at that superstar level, man, it is so remarkably refreshing. I can't think of a better person to break 61 than Aaron Judge. All right. Now, some of that is just utter speculation because obviously Ian Fitzsimmons doesn't know Aaron Judge. I don't think any of it is necessarily wrong. We have never heard any scandal about Judge. No. Um I honestly don't. There aren't that many players we've heard scandal about, to be honest. We, I, Josh Donaldson, a teammate of his in New York, went through some uh, some difficult times this year with Tim Anderson of the White Sox. But yeah, I can see that. But the other part of that is that, and this is why I hesitate when we talk about who's the real home run king. Well, we all know that Barry Bonds used, and we all know that McGuire and Sosa used. That is not even in dispute at this point in our lives. We can we can talk about things with some nuance about, well, it wasn't against the rules then. Well, sort of right. But regardless, set that aside. The assumption now 
is that the players are clean because we test. Fernando Tatis Jr. got tested positive for steroids. You wouldn't look at Fernando Tatis Jr. and think he's a steroid user, right? And people use for different reasons. Sometimes it's an accident. Nudge, nudge. That's a wink. Me winking. That's your winking. Can you hear me winking on the radio? Yes. So, (laughs) so before we slam the others, I just want I just want to point out, and I'm not. Again, I keep saying this. I am not accusing anybody. I'm just saying, if it came out that so and so tested positive, I would go, okay. That's the way I would react to it. Because if you don't react that way, you're a fool. Yeah. I mean, it's just right around the corner. It's just everywhere. It's right around the corner. You just don't know. Hero worship is a dangerous, dangerous game. Uh, I do think that Aaron Judge is a great player, and he's about to make a truck full of money. I think you, I saw like three hundred million. Maybe was the last. Oh, it's going to be higher. Yeah, it's going to be higher. Now, wow. what's working against him is that he's going to be thirty-one. Yeah, but he's still going to get a ten-year contract because there's a DH, and he can always DH. So he's going to get a ten-year deal, and that ten-year deal is going to be, oh, I will say four hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Yeah. Buster only ESPN uh, on what is out there financially. I do think a team will jump in with a bigger number than what the Yankees are going to offer. I think that number is going to come from the San Francisco Giants. I know they are waiting in the weeds for the offseason to begin, and they're going to pursue Judge, who, of course, grew up about 100 miles from their ballpark. I am going to be curious to see if Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, who's a great collector of art, will look at Aaron Judge and say, that's the piece I must have. I think I generally share the skepticism of a lot of executives with other teams that he actually actually will leave the Yankees if the Yankees will let him get away. If it's about money, the Yankees can pay him what the Yankees want. The Yankees print money. But I will also say that the Yankees have operated under some level of fiscal sanity over the last decade or so. Now, they are going to be significantly over the luxury tax threshold. But I don't think that they're going to go to where the Mets are right now, which is close to, I think, they're already at $300 million for their payroll. You know, the Yankees are probably looking to stay around between 250 and 270 and Aaron Judge is going to crush that. So if it's about getting the most money, then I don't think he'll be a Yankee. And I do think that Buster Olney is correct in that home for him is Northern California. And we know he's not going to Oakland. <laughs> so, uh, and Oakland won't even be in Oakland, my guess is, within five years. So, I think he's going to the Giants. It's probably the team he rooted for as a kid. And that would be the dream. And just like Barry Bonds ended up, believe it or not, going back to the Giants, because that's where his dad was a, a really great ball player. Bobby Bonds was a tremendous ball player, teammate of Willie Mays. Willie Mays was his godfather, all of that. That's why Barry Bonds ended up going back there, and they paid him. But that's where I think Aaron Judge ends up. Uh, I think Steve Cohen of the Mets will make a run at him, but I don't think they'll get him. All right, 
We uh, we will talk with Grant McCauley, 92-9 the game in Atlanta, locked on ATL from the Diamond.com. Braves clinched last night. They have won the National League East. The path for them is easier. And in their back pocket, they won last year's World Series. We'll talk about the Braves next. Grant McCauley is too young to remember those times. He joins us on the Adam Gold Show. Grant McCauley locked on ATL from the Diamond, 92-9 the game in Atlanta. Congratulations to all of Atlanta Braves fans, and I am friends with many of them. Uh, for winning a division they probably didn't think they were going to win in June. So uh, let's start there. Uh, thoughts on you know, a remarkable, like maybe last three and a half months of the season? Yeah, I would say it is. And if you were looking for ways to try to one-up what they did in the second half of 2021 on their run to what I would call an improbable World Series title, then storming back from 10 and a half games down in the division is probably one of the scripts that you could be choosing from. And this is the largest divisional comeback in Major League Baseball since 1995, which was also a good year for the Braves. But (laughs) it was the Seattle Mariners back then doing it to the California Angels at that time. But you know, before we get too far back in our way back machines and, you know, 35, 36 home runs being enough to lead the league, which I do remember, actually, <laughs> uh, I just feel like this is a great Braves club that came together at the right time and was underperforming in the first couple of months and found some special things, some special players and had some special moments along the way. And all of that added up to a division title in which they This wasn't just some Mets collapse. I will point that out. I mean, did the Mets have a September that was down from their standards? Yes. But the Braves had to play 45 games over Mm -hmm. 500 from June the 1st on to catch New York. Oh, no, no. Like, it's it's a little bit of both, given the the gap. Um, The Mets obviously were not the same team. Uh, Mets got swept by the Cubs at home, which is, you know, largely unacceptable Mm -hmm. uh, about a month ago. But, yeah, Atlanta was amazing. And the truth is that I believe the Mets got to 100 wins yesterday with a doubleheader sweep of the Nationals. So, uh, yeah, the Mets certainly did not have a uh, an off year. They weren't as good at the end, and they didn't win games when Scherzer and DeGrom pitched over, for the most part, over the last, say, three or so weeks. Uh, but it's all right. Uh, Atlanta's legitimately good. And I thought all along, even when there was a gap, that, well, water finds its level and there's very little to choose i think between the two teams anyway uh and i hope they meet again but Mm -hmm. if they meet again uh the mets are gonna have to knock off the los angeles (laughs) dodgers to do it what's the best grant mccauley is joining us 92.9 the game from the diamond.com what's the best thing about this braves team I think the fact that they're so resilient, I mean, this is a club that avoided losing streaks of longer than three games the entire season and a club that was, and I caught a lot of flack from this on Twitter for putting it out before the Braves won yesterday, had not been swept in a three-game series all season, and that, in (laughs) fact, will not happen because they won yesterday, so I'll point that out. Also, jinxes are not real on Twitter. There may be some out there in life and in the universe, but just because you tweet a stat does not mean that you have doomed the club or the player. Be that as it may, the resiliency of this club and their ability to bounce back and answer every time they seem to get knocked down a little bit or suffer one of those losses that you would think, man, this could send them down a bad place, down a dark road, this club would turn around and win five games, eight games in a row, sweep a couple of series, and just go back on another winning streak. That I mean, if you're going to play 45 games over 500 for – 
better than two-thirds of the season, you're going to have to avoid losing streaks, and the Braves did a great job at that. But it's a little bit of everyone. It's not one player that was the driving force of this club, and you might think that with a Ronald Acuna Jr. that that would be the guy, the catalyst, who's doing all the big things for the club, but it just wasn't that way this year. He had some moments, but Mm -hmm. he's largely been kind of on the road back from that knee injury and hasn't been quite the same player yet, but whether it was Dansby Swanson, mm. Austin Riley, Matt Olson, uh, Michael Harris the second, who came up from double-A at the end of May to spark this club, Spencer Strider on the mound, Max Fried with a Cy Young caliber season, Kyle Wright winning 21 games, yeah. and the strength of the bullpen again, it all adds up to just a well-rounded club, and I feel that Brian Snitker has been that steady hand with the one-day-at-a-time approach that a lot of people might scoff at, but I got to tell you, it gets results, and this club is bought in, and they get it from all around the diamond. I mean, the catchers combined to hit 35 home runs this year. There just really wasn't some weak link in the chain for the Braves, and they were able to overcome the adversity and, and pull this thing off. And it's an incredible run to do it. I need I, I I I'm on board with everything except when you talk about the catchers, and this is personal for me. Uh, Travis Darno uh, was a Met. He was part of the trade that sent R. A. Dickey, who was a two-time Cy Young Award winner, to Toronto. For Darno was the centerpiece of the trade, and Noah Syndergaard. They both came to the Mets in that trade. And Darno, I believe, uh, got two clutch hits in his entire career as a Met. It, and I might be overselling how many. It might have been one, might have been none, to be honest. And Darno against the Mets has an OPS 250 points higher than his career OPS. He delivered the shot that probably won the Braves the division. I mean, they might have won it anyway, but it made it where they only needed to win a game in that three-game series, this three-game series against the Marlins. So uh, I blacked out when you mentioned the catchers. So if that's okay, <laughs> well, if that's okay with you. Well, I, I am <laughs> sad to have to report that he also scored the go-ahead run in last night's victory. So there's just another place where Travis Darno shows yeah. up in this this triangulation of fire. But... Yeah, his Mets career was kind of riddled by injuries, and he ended up getting cut a couple of years yeah. ago, caught on with Tampa Bay, signed with the Braves, and he has been such a steady force for this club. I, I cannot stress enough. The Braves went through half a dozen catchers trying to replace him last year while he was out with that thumb injury. This guy comes back after missing, what, 100 games, yeah. catches every single inning of the postseason run. So he's just one of those guys that when, when this club was built, it's yeah, there's young talent. Yeah, there's some guys that have established themselves, but there's also those pieces you go out and find that they just fit, and Darno is one of those guys. Uh, Grant McCauley is joining us, 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. A uh, couple of qu- very quick things before we have to say goodbye. The um, home runs are typically harder to come by. In the postseason. It's just the reality of, mm-hmm. of playoff baseball where home runs are harder to come by. And maybe they won't be, but it's just that's just sort of the way it's gone. Um, the Braves can beat you in other ways, though, too. And that's with Harris or Grissom uh, if he's in the lineup. They, they can play the other game. I was a little disappointed, though, that they laid down a sacrifice bunt yesterday for the first time all year. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, I was disappointed by that, too, because it took the bat out of two of their best hitters' hands, and they did not score in that inning either. So, Oh, you know, wait a second. They didn't score in the inning? No, of we course have to not. Stop. That, that's what the baseball guys thought of that sacrifice bunt. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, all right. <laughs> the you, you're, you say you're old enough to remember when 
35 home runs gave you a chance to lead the league mm-hmm. in that category. And Aaron Judge hit 62 yesterday. Not all yesterday, of course. That would be a record. But yes. uh, 62 home runs for the season. Uh, when what, what, are, what are your thoughts on what that means? I think it's an incredibly meaningful accomplishment. And I'm also one of those people that, look, you look at the record book, the numbers are there, they say what the records are. But I think we all know in the context of it that some of these records and the perception of them were changed forever by the steroid era. However, those are the records, unless they're until, and really it's not an option, Major League Baseball were to not recognize those records, and they're not going to do that. But I think you just look at a vacuum, you know, how – often does this kind of a season happen ruth hit 30 or excuse me ruth hit 60 home runs and then what 30 years later maris hit 61 home runs then you had to wait another 36 years maris actually held the record longer than ruth until mark mcguire came along and then barry bonds came along right after that not too far after so you didn't have to wait 30 years for that one but here we are sitting 21 years after bonds set the record and somebody is close enough to hitting, you know, a, a, an amount of home runs. I guess Giancarlo Stanton did it a few years ago, too. But to get back to 60 and to do it without the specter of all the things that we know that was involved in that particular era, I do think it's special. It is the American League record. And if you're the New York Yankees, who had Babe Ruth and Roger Maris hold that record for so long, I'm sure that Aaron Judge getting to 62 and, and raising that bar in what is an incredible season for him and possibly, you know, he was putting together triple crown credentials. It's a special accomplishment, regardless of whether or not it's a single season home run record. Yeah. Um, I I also, I go to the point where I'm not going to, you know, build a statue to Judge just yet. Not because I believe he's done anything in terms of uh, using, because I don't. I don't believe he has. I keep saying this, but I just want to preface it. Uh, Because I also never thought that Fernando Tatis Jr. was a user. And This is true. So I think we can get really lost by assigning uh, morals and values to people that we don't know. And that's why the record is the record, and the record is 73. And I also think from uh, the standpoint of being a longtime baseball fan, and baseball was also complicit at that time, uh-huh. but I think baseball deserves to wear that as a scarlet 73, if you will, because that's the record. I uh, but I also think that taken just set aside from all of the record books, Aaron Judge has had one of the most incredible seasons we have ever seen I don't think it's the greatest season we've ever seen, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's in the conversation. It's just an awesome, awesome accomplishment. And I know Yankees yeah. fans are like, hey, we're the only ones that can have the American League home run king because they've had it since 1926. That they have. And the, the incredible thing I think about Aaron Judge, too, if you really want to add another layer to what he accomplished this year, this is the ultimate example of betting on yourself. <laughs> he turned down a $213 million extension offer prior to this season, yep. believing that he could get more. But the object, of course, of doing that is now I got to go out there and have pretty much the season of my life. And this is the guy who's already hit 50 home runs. And he went out and did it. And he did it at an incredible pace and one that's going to probably win him the American League's MVP award. And I think it will even though Shohei Otani is the kind of unicorn that we're not going to fully appreciate, I don't think, until the time in which we realize that nobody's going to come along and probably ever do the kind of things that he's doing. That aside, most valuable player, 
that you know a team heading to the playoffs. I know that has a lot of value for voters, but you know Aaron Judge bet on himself big time. He pushed the chips all the way into the middle of the table, and I think he's going to be cashing in somewhere. Probably I don't I don't know. I, I have a hard time imagining that he's not going to be in the Bronx on this next deal. But we'll all find out when the hot stove comes along. But we don't have to fast forward to the hot stove. We just got to the best part of the baseball season, so I'm not in too much of a hurry. All right. Good luck to your Braves. Uh, I hope you guys don't gather too much rust watching the wild card round. Right. Uh, but uh, hopefully the Mets and the Braves will clash again. Grant McCauley, 92-9 the game from the diamond uh, com. Locked on ATL. Guys, you have so many. You, I don't. Your business card's like a. It's got three <laughs> volumes. Uh, thank you very much, man. We'll talk again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. You got it, Grant McCauley from ninety-two-nine, the game in Atlanta. This is the Adam Gold Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.